Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. We help you build a thriving creative career. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza! You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's get into today's episode. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new fluid engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it. Got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you, where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. Today on the show, we have someone who is extremely inspiring. Uh, his name is Tammy Coker. You can go check his workout at T-E-M-I dot C-O-K-E-R on Instagram. This work is phenomenal. He mashes up photography with graphic design and illustration to wild effects. Uh, I found him on Instagram and I've been inspired ever since. This conversation that we had uh, actually brought a tear to my eye. The thoughts behind Tammy's work are so beautiful and moving. And I think you are going to get a lot out of this. I have a guess this is going to be one of your favorite interview episodes of Creative Pep Talk. Uh, without further ado, let's get to him, Tammy Coker. First off, maybe you could just uh, say who you are and tell us what you do. Yeah, so my name is Tammy Coker. I am a photographer and graphic designer based in Dallas, Texas. My wife and I run a creative company called Coker Studio, and we specialize in art direction, photography, and graphic design. 
Fantastic. How, how long have you been doing the studio? Uh, we just launched in May, but I think, I, I know for me, I've been doing this stuff since 2011. I think I got serious and I got better around 2013, 2014. Um, my, my wife and I got married last year, and so she's also a photographer. Yeah, and so far, congrats, man. Thank you. So for our one year anniversary, we decided to um, go public with Coker Studio. And so, um, yeah, so we started in May and it's been good so far. That's a heck of a way to celebrate your anniversary. I know, right? Art of Studio. <laughs> yes. It was like, it was, it was awesome. You know, we, uh, I think I talked to my CP and she was like, it's just wiser for both of us to yeah. combine together. And then, uh, my wife, she's she's great at what she does, um, but I'm probably a little bit better on the business side. So it right. was smart for us to do all of that together so that we can get our taxes right and whatnot. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's just it's also super cool. I, I work a for lot sure. with my wife and it's a I you know, I think honestly, uh, and I'm sure you know this, but uh, it, relationally mm -hmm. it does come with some complications. But yes. I think on the whole, I think it's uh, you know, it's better than being, I mean, it's better for us. I'm not telling other people what to do, but it's better right. for us you know, uh, to be in each other's business and be yeah. on a team working on something. And we feel like we're in a mission together. For sure. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like this, like I ride for you, not just in our marital life, but in business sense as well. And so there are times where she's too busy to do a photo shoot. And so I go over there and I do it. Or there's sometimes yeah. where I need some feedback from. And what people don't know is like a lot of the work that I post, I usually show my wife first and ask for a feedback. Me too. So, yeah. It's like, and I've, I'm thankful for her because like I get to a point now where if I like it, then I like it. If someone else doesn't like it, that's their prerogative. If my wife doesn't like it, then I'm like, yo, I that's need a problem. to. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Or she yeah. she gives the best feedback. And so, because um, I know before I got married, like if someone online would say something about my work, like I would think twice. But my wife says like, yo, I love it. It's amazing. Like I already like it, but she just boosts my confidence even more. And so it's been really good. And I think the same goes for her when she's, shows me her work. I just, um, you know, tell her what I think she could do better or what she's done well. And we've worked together before and it's been awesome, but yeah, there's definitely been some friction here and there, but mm -hmm. I think it just makes us both stronger. I agree. And I think, uh, I don't know about you, but one of the reasons why my wife's feedback is so important to me is because, uh, we ha we're so close that there's no filter. So mm -hmm. if she likes it, I know she likes it. If right. she's like, I can tell if she's pumped about it. I know. Oh, I got something here, but she won't hold back. She'll be like, "No, this is not your best. This doesn't make any sense." Like you know, um, something yeah. like that. So that that's why I value it so highly. Yeah. No. The same. The same for us. I mean, my wife is so smart, intellectual, and there are ideas that I can't even think of that she offers to my work. And so that's been very helpful, but yeah, she's also like a straight shooter. My wife is emotional. And so yeah. I kind of have to like watch how I say things. Whereas yeah. for her, she can just like, um, babe, it's not good. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> but for her, I have to say like, Oh babe, this is, this is awesome. I wonder, you know, that's the word that I used to use when I was teaching. I like, and I wonder. 
Yeah. Because if you say, yeah. I want, I wanted the kids to actually think about what they didn't like and offer a solution. And so mm. I take that into how I critique my wife or other people's work. Um, I talk about the good, but then I always, always say, I wonder if you could have done blah, 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 because of blah, blah, blah. I love that. Those are really good terms because it reminds me almost of like a Socratic method of feedback where instead of giving statements, uh, you're giving questions. Right. And I think you almost, like one of the things, I've worked with a lot of creative people, whether teaching or what have you, but uh, one of the things that, you know, like I, this is a really stupid example, but um, <laughs> Weird Al always talks about how if anyone else gave him the idea for a parody, he can't do it because it, the fun of it is yeah. is coming up with the idea. And I think when you give feedback that's really prescriptive and and you know uh, a, a direct statement, mm -hmm. you're taking the fun of the creative process out of their hands. Whereas right. if you pose it as a question or you you know pose a proposition in in the way that you're doing, mm -hmm. you're giving them agency that to then use it as a springboard rather than a prescription. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely been a helpful thing. I probably need to do it more. I know sometimes I, I fall off and I'm like, babe, um, mm -mm. no, that's, you know, just like, what, yeah. you know? Um, but yeah. Yeah. And I also think about, uh, another thing that, um, I'd like to do more and I do sometimes is if I notice something that is maybe not my taste or I'm not sure about, asking a question like, why did you do this? Mm -hmm. And then, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Because almost artists all are doing things intentionally. Right. Um, just sometimes we're blind. We have blind spots to right. whether it's successful or not. Yeah, that is true. And me and her have different tastes and similar as well. But sometimes when it comes to especially photography, um, we definitely try to go outside the box. But sometimes she has like a different idea or different taste or would do something that I would not even have thought of. And so it's also, um, like you said, asking those questions of why do you, why did you do that? And, um, learning her process as well. Yeah. And you know, the other funny thing, um, that happens, and this is, this is the exception to the rule. Most of the time, the things that I think, uh, the things that work really well are things that she really likes. Mm -hmm. But every once in a while, there's a few things in my particular taste yeah. that uh, her feedback still is really helpful because she'll be like, mm, it's not really for me. <laughs> and if I know, if she says that, and I still feel like, no, nah, this is it. Like I, this, uh, Then I know it doesn't matter who thinks what about it. If it's hitting me with the level of taste where I'm ready to override her feedback, then right. I know like I'm in my, my, uh, my zone. I'm right. in the place where I'm doing something that is real. If I, and that's one of the, I've even learned like when I'm pitching a book or something, mm -hmm. if I'm really desperate for the editor to say, this is good, then I almost am sure that it's not good. Mm -hmm. like if, I, if I need all this affirmation, right. the ideas that are great, I don't need anybody to tell me they're great. Right. Like I, you know what I mean? Do you ever feel that way? Oh yeah. I, I think like, I think it's so like, like even when working with brands, um, sometimes I like when they give me creative freedom to kind of interpret the title or the thing yeah. that they're going for versus like, Hey, I want you to, 
I want you to make something like this other artist. And I'm like, oh my gosh, well, why, why don't you go to the other artist? You know, so exactly, yeah. So yeah, right. no, I, I I feel it. I feel that a lot because I think I get some of the best ideas from like getting creative freedom, and then if we have to go through revisions to refine it to fit yeah. kind of like what they actually want, then I think me being able to start that foundation is a really good step towards on the creativity. Yeah, I feel that. Um, did did you have? Uh, let's go back to let's go back to childhood. I always sound like a therapist when I do that. Um, but uh, uh, how did you have a creative childhood? What was uh, that like? Yeah, it was it was creative. It was, I mean, I was using the resources that I was able to afford. I was born in Lagos, Nigeria, so my whole childhood from when I was born till I was like eleven or twelve was all in Nigeria. And so I remember making like fake paper cameras and I would like draw a picture of of someone uh, as a stick figure. I'll put it into the fake camera and then I would take a picture of them and the paper falls out. So I was doing stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I tried tried to recreate the, um, I had a talk um, um, about my childhood and like creativity and I tried to remake the paper camera and I just couldn't. So that sucked. And I was watching videos too, but I just I just didn't get it anymore. Um, yeah. But when I was younger, that was what I was I would do, and I was the person that would just try to find items and have them, you know, be used in different ways. So, for example, a Coca Cola bottle cap. Um, I would collect like fourteen of those, and I would turn yeah. it into like. Um, I'll put it on like a board and I'll make the board like a soccer field and I'll play soccer, you know, <laughs> with my thumb moving each player and my other friend is doing the same thing and we get turns and, and stuff like that. And I remember this is stupid, but I had a magnifying glass when I was younger and one time I injured an ant so that I could use the magnifying glass and yeah. fix it, <laughs> but it yeah. died. So <laughs> you're going to do like an operation. Yeah. I was going to do like operation. I forgot that game. It's called operation something, but oh my I was going to do stuff like that. And of course I always failed. I mean, how can you fix an ant? <laughs> you know, that's amazing. Yeah. I love that story. And so, so good. Um, but I think the biggest way that I was able to express myself creatively creatively was um playing the piano my dad had me take lessons and i got better and i'm now i just turned 27 on sunday and now i am probably yeah this is my this is 17 years of playing the piano you know so it's still a way to um express myself creatively or if i want to if i feel something i can play it on the keys you know and so Mm. that's really helpful I hate you for that. <laughs> I, I so desperately want to play the piano. Yeah. I'm getting my kids lessons because, uh, not because I wanted to, but because yeah. they're, they're showing tons of interest. My littlest is like four and she's desperate. So we're getting her into it. But um, I, the piano is my favorite instrument. Do you have any, uh, like modern favorite pianists? Ooh. So yeah, right now there's this guy named, um, Robert Glasper. He's based okay. out of Houston. Amazing guy. Um, he was classically trained. Is he on trained. Spotify? Yeah, he's on Spotify. You will love right, I'm, his stuff. I'm checking it out right yes. now. You will love his stuff. Um, so recently, I think maybe this was like four or five years ago, he started mm-hmm. fusing 
jazz with hip hop. And so he had like hip hop mm. artists come to his studio and record or um, on the song that he made and they come up with the um, lyrics and all of that stuff. But it's just amazing to see that Sweet. fusion with jazz and hip hop. And if you look at his older stuff, he was just doing instrumentals and he would play like classic classical songs or he would play a lot of jazz. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I love his, I love his style of playing. Um, sometimes it's simple. Sometimes it's like crazy, um, but he is really good. And I think he's won like Grammys for mm-hmm. some of his stuff as well. I see a song with Laura Mavula. She's one of my favorites. Oh, that, um, that. Gotta check that out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's awesome. Have you ever heard of my favorite is uh, Ryuchi Sakamoto. Uh, he's a, I think he is Japanese uh, okay. pianist, but he does a lot of soundtrack stuff. Um, I'm super, super into it. I'll send it your way. I have yeah. actually, uh, me and, uh, uh, Andrew Jared Shore, who's like a paper cut, uh, illustration artist, um, have a playlist on Spotify. We'll have to add you in. It's called oh. Sad P- Sad Piano. Oh my um, god! <laughs> <laughs> so I love it. Fan. Yeah, we'll have to get you in there. For um, sure. That's awesome. Uh, so, okay. Well, let's go back a little bit. I want to. I want to kind of revisit some of this and just paint a picture a little bit. So, what you you came to America? What, what did you say? You were twelve or fourteen? Oh yeah, I was twelve. Um, I left Nigeria. Um, 2003 to live in Canada for a year, and then from Canada we moved to Texas. Okay. 2004. Well, how different are we talking? How different is uh, where you were living, Nigeria, to where you moved in Canada and then Texas? How- oh my gosh, it was a culture shock. I remember we got out. We got out of the airplane, and we were being taken to like where we were, we were going to stay. And yeah. the lights were on the whole time. And I remember asking my dad, like, dad, why, why are the lights on? Because in Nigeria, we have like, they, they call this thing NEPA. And they're like the electricity company that control the lights and whatnot. And a lot yeah. of the times, the light just goes off. And sometimes it could go off for weeks. Sometimes it could go off for an hour. You mm. just never know. And so everyone always has like a generator in their back in their backyard so that yeah. they can have light. Um, and yeah, so when we were driving, I think we we're driving for a good 30 minutes and the lights did not turn off. And I was like, yo, dad, why are the lights still on? And he was just laughing. He was like, we're in Canada now. They don't really have that as much as they do in Nigeria. And so, yeah. And then moving mm. to Texas was just another culture shock because I thought – Texas and Canada, some people have this like idea that Texas is all like cowboy horses and all of this stuff. Yeah. And so I, when we moved here, I was expecting that and I didn't really see that as much. I saw it sometimes, but, um, but yeah, and it was definitely a culture shock. I mean, you see people that look like you, but they're not from Africa and they have a different um, accent and, or, and people would see me and think like, um, um, either like African American, I was born in the U.S. Yeah. Um, or that I was African. Um, but I think from what I wore and just how I carried myself, people could tell. Ninety nine percent, I was probably African. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because I had, I mean, I was still wearing the outfits. Um, and yeah, and I, I was trying to fit in, but this is when the whole word African 
booty scratcher was popular. And so that was what mm. I was getting called in uh, middle school and part of high school until it became cool to be like African and knowing your ancestry and where you're from. Mm. Did, so. uh, yeah, not to mention that if, you know, them knowing you are from Africa, most Americans have no idea what that actually could mean and that it means a whole bunch of different things because it's a huge place that's super diverse in all kinds of different ways Mm -hmm. um so i imagine that was that pretty tough yeah it was pretty tough like it's the reason why i made my first book um i went to nigeria in 2014 and i was just documenting how beautiful nigeria was despite what people saw on discovery channel i think i I think in high school i hated discovery channel because they would just always show like people in huts and never show like the real part, like not saying that those were not the real parts, but like also the cities, the beautiful parts. And they were just showing like the people in the village without clothes or struggling or hunting yeah. lions. And so people would literally ask me, did you hunt lions for breakfast? I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, it's like, like it's, it's so insulting. I just, I just started laughing at them. I was like, what are you talking about? They're like, yeah. yes, I saw it on a, TV show, or I walk into class and they start talking to me like, "Oh my god!" I'm like, what? The, That's horrible. You know, yeah. It high school was not fun. I think my junior year and senior year, it became really chill and people really respected who I was and what I did and yeah. where I was from. But before that, high school and uh, sophomore year, like eighth grade through sophomore year, was just hell. <laughs> yeah. That sounds terrible. I I mean, it's also not moving from Nigeria to America. It's Nigeria to Texas. Yes, exactly. (laughs) It's like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Man, that's wild. Do you, do you still feel inspired by your childhood? Um, yeah, I think I've been talking about it a lot now at like different talks and stuff. And I've just been seeing how my childhood and my curiosity for creativity and like just trying new things was like my superpower. Mm. And so I just felt like, I felt like it was just something that I needed to um, do and get better in, you know? And so that was, that was definitely an interesting uh, phase of my life. Yeah. So that Kind of reminds me of something I heard you say uh, on a video about wanting to be a jack of all trades. And I love Mm -hmm. that. And it sounds Mm -hmm. like this curiosity that you're talking about is where that comes from. Um, And I, uh, I love breaking down creative myths in this show Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the whole jack of all trades, master of none. Now I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that everybody should be a jack of all trades, but you clearly embody the power of combining different practices at an excellent level. Um, Can you talk about that? Talk about what um, being a jack of all trades, what does that mean to you? Why, what's the benefit? What, what, um, what breakthroughs you've had around that? Yeah, I think, um, it all started when I was in college. I, I went to go study biomedical engineering to make my parents happy. Yeah. I went to study music at first and they were like, nope, you're not going to be successful <laughs> and all this stuff. Yeah. I was like, okay. I went to another go on tour. Myth. We could yeah. bust that another day, but there you yes. go. 
for sure. You know, and I was telling them I know people who went to study music and all that stuff. Robert Glasper went to school to study music and look at him now. Wow. But um, yeah, I went to study biomedical engineering for a year and a half and I was like, hell no, I'm not going to do this. So I switched to digital media. And so that had photography, graphic design, video, web design. And so that was kind of what got me into this idea of like, man, let me learn as much as I can so that by the time I graduate, I can go up to a company and say, hey, I can do photography and graphic design if you pay me X amount, rather than you guys trying to go find a photographer and a graphic designer. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of like my mindset, trying to make myself stand out more. Um, But a lot of people were like, no, you can't do both. You have to pick one. Um, You can't multitask, you can't be multidisciplinary. And so I kind of believed that. And so I stopped like learning about web design. I stopped trying to get into video and all of those things. Um, it wasn't until 2016 or 20, yeah, 2014 when I started getting back into design and I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to just see if I can get better in design so I can merge these two together. And it wasn't until 2016 that I started like doing this poster day project where I was merging photography and graphic design together. And so for me, I know I can't learn everything like realistically, but the things that I'm passionate about, I definitely want to dabble in it and learn what I can. Um, Like I just shot a, I just shot a video for my friend's um, campaign thing and I used a Ronin S and I had like two days to learn how to use it. Um, And I did it well. I got into Premiere Pro. I know how to edit on there. And so I made some nice edits, some nice cuts. And I was like, dang, Tammy, you still got it. You know, and that was like my first time in a while really shooting um, video. And so I just, I tried different things. Like I want to try After Effects because I want my posters to move. I just imagine me doing the exhibition Mm. and my posters are changing color or they're moving, the shapes are moving, all that stuff. And I'll get into it one day, you know, but yeah. I'm trying to be realistic and um, take my time. And also with us just being Coker Studio and just starting out, I think it's important to like learn what we can and the things that we can't learn, um, hire other people to help us with. Um, but yeah, I haven't had a company yet reach out about me using After Effects, but um, right. I'm hoping next year I can start making my posters move and get into cinema 4d i've gotten into it a little bit but i want to get into it more um so yeah yeah that's fantastic i and you kind of touched on this and it kind of it made me think um the the weird thing about telling especially people starting out don't Mm -hmm. be a jack of all trades is that there's also a seasonal component to this of like you just said you know we're just starting out so Right. Uh, it's time for you to be dabbling in a bunch of different things. And sure. that's just part of the process of being the unique type of creative that you become. And, mm-hmm. and I think the other thing that I find really interesting is, you know, whenever I find, whenever I see a creative person, every creative I've ever worked with has, mm-hmm. has found themselves at what feels like a fork in the road feels like I have to choose this or that. And I just don't know because I I, I want both of them. And I always encourage them to say like creativity on the most basic level is about combination. Mm. And if you can see the pattern between this thing and that thing, 
that's the art. Like the art is to see how these aren't different. These actually right. fit well. They actually, and I, I think I heard you even talking about how to, to you, there's just so many parallels between mm -hmm. photography and design. Is that sure. you, you? Yeah. Yeah. That's like that. And it's crazy how you just said like the combination. I never even thought of it like that. Like, I feel like that is important. Just finding those patterns and those parallels. And I think that would just, um, just make you even want to do it more. Just finding those differences. Like for me with photography, when I'm shooting, I'm always focusing on the rule of thirds. And so when I make my swirls with the shoes, like I'm making sure that each swirl is targeting the right place on the canvas so that that way the focus can actually be on the shoe. And so I'm just taking all of this different like inspirations that I do in photography, the textures, patterns that I look for in photography when I'm taking pictures and try to bring them into my work. And it's been so helpful because now if I find the stock photo that I want to use, like I know exactly what, I, what I'm going for and what I'm looking mm -hmm. for because yeah. I know how photography works. Yeah, totally. I mean, it, you're, you're, it sounds like to me, like uh, when you've worked in photography, because like most designers have to work with photographers at some mm -hmm. point, uh, right. just having acquired a taste and a sensibility in photography means that you're more equipped to make those choices um, right. because you have that taste. Right. And I've just, I've, I've learned that, of course, it's important to learn the rules but I think mm -hmm. after you've won the rules, then you can break it tastefully. Exactly. I, uh, some people try to break the rules before they even learn it. And then it's like, well, you never learned the rules. So that's why this looks bad. Yeah. Whereas like, like I'm using color combinations that are not supposed to go together, but I figured out a way to like try to make them go together. And mm -hmm. so like I'm still learning color theory and all of this stuff and always I'm, I know that that's what got me into design. I was always like asking myself when I saw advertisements online or in person, like, why is this drawing my attention? And so I realized like color can invoke different types of emotions. And that's why companies, a lot of tech use a lot of blue, a lot of things that have to do with the earth use a lot of green, a lot of mm -hmm. things that need to capture your attention use a lot of red, you know? So. Yeah. Absolutely. And I like the, you know, anybody that listens to this show knows that I'm a huge believer in the idea of learning the rules before you break them. And I think mm -hmm. it speaks to that. I, again, back to the seasonal thing, whenever I give advice or whenever I'm receiving advice, I'm always trying to think about it through the lens of uh, what season or, or part of the journey am I in? Because, you know, there's so like, I do think the difference between a good artist and a great artist is right thinking outside the box but i think the difference between a bad artist and a good artist is thinking in the box like you have mm -hmm. to you know what i mean like they right. don't know. and so i feel like we get we all want to skip to what it means to be great and yet a right. lot of that advice is not helpful at the start yeah it, it is not i think the biggest thing is definitely learning what you can because i remember one of my biggest hurdles was i was comparing my journey to people who have been designing or yeah. doing photography for like 15 years like one of the guys that got me started on my poster day project i met with him and i was honest with him i was like yo you know like i look up to you but i found myself comparing my 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 work to you and i just started he's like yo you are in your first month <laughs> You know, he's like, I'm, he's like, I started this when I was 13. He's like, I'm 
15 years in the game, you know? And so don't compare, like, you know, he, he shows me some of his like first work when he first started. And I'm like, dang, he's like, yeah, you've already started better than I did. So just keep going. Um, and so that's been really, 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 really helpful. But yeah, that comparison has been a big thing up to the point that now my friend has my password for my screen time. And so oh, I have a certain amount. Yeah, <laughs> I have a certain right, amount man. of time I have on social media a day. And then from 9 p.m. to 9 a.m., I cannot get on social media. Unless That's I get awesome. on my laptop and do it, but there's stuff you can't even, I can't answer DMs on Instagram on my laptop. So yeah. Um, so I don't even really get on there. But yeah, it's been so helpful. Now when I get online, like I have to think of what I'm going to do and not endlessly scroll because if I'm not careful, I could be locked out of Instagram at 12 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So. That is such a good uh, practical uh, tip or tactic because one of the things I'm aware of is, um, you know, that the health of your creativity and the health of your mind as a creative yeah. person has a lot yeah. to do with, uh, you know, making sure that you're, you know, you're uploading and downloading, uh, you're, you're inputting and outputting in a healthy right. fashion, because sometimes if you're just inputting all the time with Instagram and influences and all this stuff, at some point that just starts to fester or starts to get a, a block or it start it's just, it ends up, you know, you start, you get in the comparison trap or, um, right. and just having some kind of filter on that, uh, to is pretty fantastic. That's, I love that. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's, it sucks sometimes. Cause uh, sure. I remember the first, <laughs> first couple of weeks I had an event and I used, and I was locked out of Instagram by let's say evening time. And so the event started and someone was like, yo, what's, uh, what's your Instagram? Or I was trying to check out their Instagram and I, opened my phone up and I was like embarrassed and I had to tell him like, Hey, <laughs> I can't get on Instagram right now. Can we see it on your phone? You know, but it's yeah, man, that's amazing. Helpful. I love that. So, um, I, one, I want to just real quick hit on one more point on that, um, about pattern recognition. I wonder if, to me, if people haven't seen your work, they should go check it out. Uh, but a lot of what you do, there's a mixture of, there's mashups of um, almost illustrative uh, kind of elements and uh, mashups of photography. And I'm wondering, I'm guessing that's uh, partially pattern recognition, like seeing like, oh, the, the colors are going to mesh with these two photos and there's going to be kind of a, um, you know, they're going to fit well together. And then almost like, it almost feels like samples, like these two samples are going to sound right together. There's a BPM match or, you know, something like that, but with pictures. And then there also seems like there must be a big, um, exciting level of accident and serendipity as you're working. Oh, yes. Uh, is that, is that feel right? Is that what your process feels like? Yeah, that is, that is completely accurate. Um, especially I, I, I almost see it as like these two things are dating. And so I'm trying to make yeah. the relationship work. And sometimes things that I thought would not go together, I try it and it goes together I, or I make an accident in the work and I'm like, hmm, I like this. I wonder if this could look this way and all of, all of those different things. So, yeah, I really want to like, and that's why I even got this mic. I've had it sadly now for like over a year and I haven't even put out a lot of YouTube tutorials. Shame on me. 
<laughs> but <laughs> um, I wanted to like, I got this mic because I wanted to like kind of show my process because I, I don't want people to like my biggest thing has been even when I do talking and stuff to let people know that I'm human just like them. And that sometimes I will start something and I won't like it or I will start over. Or I'll make a mistake or sometimes um, the things that I stumble on as accidents actually become part of the work. And so that has like been my thing. I used to do Instagram live where I would literally find the poster and the idea and make it right then and there. Um, mm. Just to show people like this is sometimes what I do. Like sometimes I don't plan to make these things work. I just do it. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's really, it's really like part of what I do. If I find an image that speaks to me, then I'm like, okay, I'm going to save it and I'm going to use it later. Um, I wish I had more time to take all of the pictures, but I don't, but I'm currently sure. working on figuring out, cause I use Adobe stock or on splash sometimes, but yeah. I'm working on doing something with my wife where she takes the picture and then I make the uh, illustration or mm -hmm. the design right then and there, like a pop-up. Mm. The only issue now is I'm thinking I have That's to feel, cool. Yeah. Like a portrait, I'm, like she takes a portrait and then you're exactly. embellishing it. And it goes it. straight into Lightroom uh, or into the computer and I make it black and white or color or whatever. And I start adding elements to it and then print it right there on the spot for them to take home. That would be amazing. But it's right now it's just me and her. And so I'm yeah. like, maybe we should do a test run of like five people. Or if we do like, if we go to like a big event and we do a pop-up there, people can come yeah. towards the end of the event and um, pick up their stuff. So if you're yeah. a conference uh, organizer, get Coker Studio out there to do one of these. Yes, that sounds please. fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Like I I I want to do it so bad. Um because I just I I I went to a conference last week in DC did, uh, to do a talk there about accountable art and design, mm. and I'm hoping I can come back next year because I, I met some people there. I took a I took a guy's picture on my iPhone because I didn't bring my camera, mm -hmm. and made a poster of him just for fun. Um, mm. But the joy that it brought him the next day he saw me was like profound like i that's amazing i did it because i really like i was talking to him and he was just lively and i was like man i really like your enthusiasm about art and design and photography and your journey and he was like yeah man i'm just trying to get better and whatnot and so um i was like you know what hey let me take your picture and so i took his picture and then he was like i'm gonna take yours too and i was like okay um so i took <laughs> it and i made it to a poster that morning and I tagged him and he was just like happy, almost crying. And mm. I was just like, and now he wants to send me like, he's trying to mail me one of his work mm. um, so we can have around the house. But just seeing how like art and design can impact people, make them like my job is not to make people look beautiful. They already are. And so I'm just, I'm, I'm just here trying to enhance that beauty and bring focus to it. And so um, that's why I use a lot of dark skin because in, in Nigeria, People mm. always felt like you had to be lighter skinned to be successful. So they were selling a lot of bleaching cream. And mm. so when I came to America, I wasn't like as confident in my skin. Um, and so this type, these type of posters have reminded me that black is beautiful and my skin is beautiful. And so, um, yeah, it's been really therapeutic. 
not just for me, but for other people. I have people DMing me, telling me like they never felt that their skin was beautiful till they saw this art piece and then they bought it so it can be a reminder for them in their house. You know, like just stuff like that makes me realize like I'm working, I'm walking in my purpose and I'm doing things that are actually changing people's lives rather than just making art for fun, which is not bad. But, you know, I like when I am able to make something that impacts my community. I cannot express uh, how much I love that. Everything you just said is just, I'm just soaking it up, man. That's just uh, beautiful. Uh, I, I, man, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm uh, speechless for the first time on the podcast. Um, <laughs> I really love it. I, you know, one of the things that, um, that I want to just pull out of there that I think is so brilliant, I, I, t- I talk about this on the podcast sometimes, this idea that, um, you know, a lot of designers, a lot of illustrators, a lot of artists that have a career in art are mm-hmm. in the business to business world. Mm-hmm. So they're providing to clients and they don't get a lot of interaction with uh, the end user. So they don't get a lot of stuff with business to customer. And right. when you're doing that, you get your, so it's like working in a factory where you're mm-hmm. just like pushing a button. You don't know what it looks like for that person to hold the thing you ended up make making. Right. There's this huge disconnect. And I think, um, there's this thing that you discovered within, you know, I love that you've highlighted this as an experience of what it really meant to put this person into a poster Mm -hmm. and to feel the power of it. Because, you know, I've talked to, we go to this restaurant, um, it's called North Star. It's it's Mm -hmm. based out of Columbus. I'm obsessed with it. We go there almost every Friday and it's just a restaurant really. Right. The the care and the love and the, and the service and the ambiance and the architecture, everything that they've done has been done like it's their purpose. And when we go there, it, our, our stress from the week melts away. We feel grateful to be there and it's just a stupid restaurant. It sounds so stupid (laughs) to say that, but it's just a stupid design, right? It's just a stupid illustration, but the power of, I always say like, if you treat everything you do as if it were art, it will be. And right. that you connecting and seeing what it can be like, what your work can do. I think, first of all, that's such a motivator. But then second of all, it's going to, it must allow you to uh, do so much better work and, and get in touch with um, when you're working with a model, right? Like mm-hmm. in a campaign, mm-hmm. you know, uh, being able to show, like you said, um, the beauty of what's already there. Right. And, and you, that you, the, that thing that you said, um, about the beauty, enhancing the beauty that's already there. That to me, that's a breakthrough that comes from getting in touch with the actual, I don't want to call it con- customer, but the actual person, and right. the actual power of your work. And I For just sure. freaking love that. Thank you. No, it's, it's something that I learned in photography, which I started to bring into design. So my trip to Nigeria, I think the biggest thing that I learned was that, and me coming from a Christian background and my beliefs, I just felt yeah. like I, my job is not to make things beautiful. Things already are. God already made things beautiful. It's just my job to capture that beauty and share it with the world. And so that was like, that changed my whole idea of photography. Cause before it was just like, Hey, I just need to capture this moment so I can have it in the future. But now it's like, I need to make sure that I let these people really see how beautiful and amazing they are. Like 
one of my friends just brought me out of retirement from family photos for yeah. Christmas. <laughs> and, and I, I was excited to get to do it for them. Cause I mean, um, the family has really been influential in everything that I've done. And her husband is my financial advisor. And so, you know, and it wasn't like they wanted anything free. They paid for it and everything, but they trusted me to be creative. And so it was my way of, again, enhancing that beauty that was already there. And so when they came in, I had all my props and everything ready. And it was like a nice photo shoot that turned into this big creative type of thing. And it's just simple things that I did, but I didn't want it to feel like a normal photo shoot. I wanted to feel mm-hmm. like I wanted to enhance the beauty that the family already have. So I took individual portraits of each and every one of them in a creative way that kind of showed their personalities and whatnot. And so that's just like my thought process. And it really has changed the way um, I shoot and the way I work and the way I photograph people. When people say, oh, that's my ugly side. I'm like, what? I didn't, I didn't see that, you know, and yeah. um, of course I can't force them to like take pictures on their ugly side, you know, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> it's like, Hey, let me take your ugly side picture. But, <laughs> but no, I, I just try to like enhance that beauty. And uh, because I feel like it's, it's great for them to be reminded that they are beautiful and that they are handsome or special because they are, you know, and we're all made in the image of God. And so who am I to say that this person looks ugly? You know, yeah. I think, I think there's definitely beauty um, in everyone and there's someone for everybody, you know? And yeah. so um, it's just my job to capture the beauty that's already there and to share it with the world in a creative way. I love it. I, it also makes me feel like uh, not, you know, I like how that mentality with photography could uh, manifest in different mediums in a less obvious way, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, capturing ideas or, or, or pulling beauty from existence, even if you are making music or even if right. you're making design or illustration, like just imagining that like, no, beauty's already here. Ideas are already here. It's all, it's all here. Your job is to see them, right. Your job is to, you know, capture them. And I think that when I, I don't know, I, I just like the mystical kind of approach to that, that is, uh, inspiring me um i one this i'm gonna pull at this thread there might not be anything there but has the experimental you know um serendipity mashups in your design and photography has that in any way are there any creative principles or inspirations that have carried over from that to your piano playing hmm you know it's it's funny that you say that um yeah, because I, I think of like, like when I play piano and the way that I play it, it's like it's talking, mm. right? And when I create, I kind of, I, I see, I think the parallel for me is the fact that I can have a voice. Yeah. So you can listen to a piano and you can tell whether it's happy, sad, thinking, talking, or just straight out moody. You know, and the same yeah. thing can go into your design. You can, you can um, have your design have a voice. It can be very loud. It can be very soft. It can be um, very moody. It can be very um, straight up in your face. And so, I think for me, the parallel between those two, 
and how like design has gone into the type of music that I play has just been that I get to have a voice and I get to show how I feel in the moment or how I want people to react or feel um, to what I'm playing. And so it goes hand in hand. I think for design, I can impact people. Um, like I did one of this guy, this activist named DeRay McKenzie, and I didn't even have a caption really. And people got the message, you know? And so it's almost like if I'm at a hotel and I'm just playing on the keyboard and people are just walking by listening and they stop and they look like, man, I feel what this guy is exuding from his music. That's how I want people to feel when they're on Instagram or on their computer going through my work where they just stop. They're like, man, what is this? Like, what is he trying to say? What do I like about this? Why did this make me stop in my tracks? You know, and so that's like the 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 mindset. Um, but of course, like I don't play or I don't design anything that I don't like. And yeah. so I'm not f- trying to follow trends. If I see something that inspires me, I'm going to find inspiration from different things and try to make make a combination again, like you said, like my mm-hmm. own thing. Um, so even these these shapes that I've been putting on my work, it really started as an accident. I was doing a workshop in Marfa, Texas, and I had didn't have time to like make the finish the art piece. And so next the next day was the was the actual um workshop. And so it was like 2 a.m. Me and my boys just finished playing our Switch, Super Mario, uh yeah. Smash Bros. <laughs> and it was 2 a.m. and we got we were tired, and I was like, dang, I need to finish this artwork. So I opened up my laptop, started working on stuff. And I was like, man, this 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 workshop is about emerging photography and graphic design. And I was like, how can I do that without making it look like photo manipulation? Because there's a difference, you know? And so I was like, okay, well, in design, you have colors, you have shapes, those are like the basic elements. And so I was like, okay, I can I can try to bring those in. And so that's what I did. And it turned out amazing. I still like I still can't fully recreate it. You know, mm. I, like I printed it out. It's in our house, and I'm. I just looked at it a couple of days ago. It's like, man, what was I thinking when I made this piece? You know, like, <laughs> like it's so good. I and I really love it. It's, it's definitely my favorite. But I just look at it. I'm like, yo, what was I thinking? Like, maybe it was the way the picture was taken that made me use the lines and all of this stuff. Um, but but yeah, it's just been like amazing and seeing seeing how all of these different parallels and it's like that artwork was made from a moment in time where i was feeling something and i was feeling a certain way um but i was inspired by the workshop that i had to teach and so i decided to use shapes and now that's like my signature type of thing for my posters and people like it and i love it so yeah 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 i think every artist has that experience of some breakthrough image that you, you know, you're going to learn from, but you can't, oh, you can't recreate the yeah. exact magic of it. And it's super frustrating. Right. Um, I've had that a million times. I, I absolutely loved what you said about the piano because I've been having a very similar experience with illustration. I think I, I've been thinking about how, uh, you know, when you're first starting as an illustrator, you're mm-hmm. so obsessed with how, 
like the style. How am I going to do it? Yes. And you're, you're obsessed with finding your style. And I think recently one of my big breakthroughs was when I'm working on these kids books, I really feel like some client work, you don't really feel like you're much of an author. You don't mm-hmm. feel like you're really adding your voice or you right. get a little bit. Um, those aren't the best projects, but I'm working on these kids books and I didn't write them, but I'm drawing the pictures and I'm getting the sense of, I'm writing. And then I realized, I think illustration is writing with pictures. Mm. And I think it speaks to what you say about, you know, you can write with notes, you can write with uh, images and what you're saying and how you're saying it. There's a, it's a more abstract way to communicate, but if you can think about it through the lens of I'm an author and I'm, what am I going to say with this thing? Mm-hmm. I think if you will start there, yeah, T- Tim Goodman talks about this too, of like, don't worry so much about how you're going to say it. Worry about what you're going to say. And that'll influence, everything else will kind of, the the form will follow that function, you yes, know? For sure. I love that. I just wrote his name down. I'm going to check him out. Yeah, Tim Goodman. <laughs> um, he, I love that thing. I, I always am referencing him on that because I think it's so true. Um, so... I have just one more question for you. Mm-hmm. It's real. It's going to be a tough one. Oh my gosh. Let's go. <laughs> Ready. <laughs> uh, you mentioned when you were in uh, Marfa, Texas, and you're going through this process that you played a bunch of Smash Brothers. And I just want to know who's your go-to character? Ooh. <laughs> I know. I told you it was going to be tough, man. That's good. Um, Kirby. I love, Kirby. I've been using Kirby for so many years now, but I have lately been trying um, Green Ninja. Oh, yeah. Um, I like Green Ninja. He's yeah, cool. he's, yeah, yeah. He, but he's so fast. Like, I get cross-eyed when I'm playing with him. So Yeah, it's a bit much. Some of those yeah. characters, it's hard to even keep them in control. What do you like about Kirby? Kirby, I you know I it, it's it's actually dumb, but it's really smart. <laughs> but the only reason I like Kirby is because if I if someone kicks me out, I can float in the air and try to yeah. make it back. I think with it's this hard to beat that. Yeah, with these other characters, you have to figure out the way to make that work, or or they do a style where they can only go up and not like down. Is and or some have to go down to go up, and it's just like Kirby. You just you just move your mouse up and it floats up, you know, yeah. or not your mouse, your keypad or your controller. Yeah. And yeah. And that's, uh, that's what I love about Kirby. And um, when he can go up, if I see all, a lot of people fighting in like one pile, I would just float up and I would like come down as like a ton. Um, yeah. I forget, yeah. I forget what, what, it, what they call it, but yeah. So come down yeah, like, like that, that ton that yeah. weight. Thing. Yeah, that yeah. Ton weight, exactly. And just kick everybody out. Well, so, I feel like we found some kind of inner truth with you that's full circle because if, if there's one uh, Smash character that is a jack of all trades, it's Kirby. Yes. Wow. <laughs> For real. Yep. Take everyone, everyone else's power and use it for a certain amount of time. And yeah, he's, yeah, that's my, he's my favorite. Yeah, I just this played is... it on Sunday with my friends and I got first place like four times. So that's awesome. You got to lean into that, man. That's, that's some, sure. there's something in there about your spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> well, thanks, man. Thanks so much for doing this. This was absolutely inspiring. I nearly cried. I laughed. Damn. We had a, <laughs> we had a phenomenal time. I, 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 we got to have you back and maybe next time we get your wife on here too. For sure. Yes. I, I was looking forward to, to this and I am thankful and like, 
I'm just amazed now that I can say I know Andy and I've talked to Andy. <laughs> He's like my brother now. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> right back at you, man. Thank you so much. Of course. Dude, my man, Tammy, sheesh, you really brought the goods this episode, and I am so honored to have you on the show. I'm honored to uh, maybe call you a new friend. I don't know. I hope we cross paths in the real world and get to hang out one day. You're so inspiring. Uh, you know, I love what you do. I love the thoughts and the heart that you put behind your work. It, it shines through, man. And everybody, go check out this guy's work on Instagram, T-E-M-I dot C-O-K-E-R. Go check it out. Gorgeous stuff. You're going to be, it's going to be a easy follow. Just, uh, yeah. Um, thanks to uh, Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. Thanks to Alex Sugg for our soundtrack, Creative Pep Talk Volume 1 soundtrack. Go check it out on Spotify and Apple Music now. It's good instrumental tunes to get in your grooves. Thanks to my man uh, Chris Graham of Chris Graham Mastering for audio assistance. And uh, thanks to all of you for showing up week after week. I hope your 2020 is off to a roaring start. And until we speak again, you know what to do. Stay pepped up. <laughs>